Welcome to this week's The Good, The Bad, and The Yummy. Here we go. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, how are you? I'm so glad to be with you today. Welcome to this week's The Good, The Bad, and The Yummy. I want to jump right in today, but first, just a very quick announcement. I have created for you the cutest t-shirts in the world. I am so happy with them. I'm so in love with them. One's a tank top that says live better, start now. And the other is just this super soft tee that can be worn kind of off the shoulder. It's sort of slouchy. And it says get uncomfortable. Do you see the irony there? It's so cozy. And it says get uncomfortable to remind you to get out of your comfort zone. These tees are adorable. And they're the beginning of something that I want to be doing more of. But this is a very limited run on the site live right now. Go check it out at onairwithella.com. All right. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that the April 2018 Live Better Retreat is 50% sold out. That's right. I'm recording this at the very beginning of November and the April 2018 retreat is 50% sold out. That is only meant to encourage you. If you feel like you are meant to be there, then please give it some attention in the next 30 days or so. Because if you are meant to be there, I want you to be there. Grab your spot. All the information that you need is at onairwithella.com. Okay, let's jump right in with the good, the bad, and the yummy. So this week's good is actually a bit of a life hack that I've employed for a long time, and I've never really shared it with you. So you ask me a lot, you know, what do you cook? If you're trying to do pretty much whole foods in your household, and you're not the world's best chef, if we're being honest, let's be honest, then what do you do? And, you know, what I don't do a lot of is I don't, pop things out of the freezer into the oven and I don't microwave and I don't like buy things in a box and heat them up anymore. It's kind of what I used to do. Now I don't claim to be a chef in any way, shape or form. And frankly, I don't really enjoy cooking. The thing I enjoy cooking is drinking the glass of wine while I'm cooking. (laughs) That's the part of cooking that I like. But what I can do is I can assemble. And that's sort of my big win in the kitchen. I'm no chef, but I can assemble with the best of them. So one of the ways that I make quick and easy meals for me or for my son or for the family when we are trying to run out the door or we just don't have time to eat well and to sit and savor and to take a long time over dinner is I create single pan meals, single dish meals all the time, which is a very simple way of saying I cook the entire meal in one skillet and then I ceremoniously dump it on the plate. Now, the reason this isn't a yummy is because it's not really a recipe. It's just a tip for making very quick whole foods meals. And there's not much to it, to be honest with you. But there is a bit of a structure and I just want to share it with you because at the end of the day, it takes me literally 10 minutes to make a whole foods meal that is a pile of food. Start with a fat, 
for me, it's usually coconut oil just because it's so handy. It's just sitting right there. But coconut oil, olive oil, ghee, avocado oil, any healthy fat, okay? Then pick your protein. Now, this is a wonderful thing to do when you have leftovers. So when you have leftovers in the fridge, just grab those. I love adding two fried eggs to my single pan dishes because they mix in really well with the veggies that I'm about to describe to you. So that works for me. But you can also, of course, use an animal protein or tempeh or lentils, or you can totally skip an additional protein altogether because the veggies are going to offer a lot of natural protein as well. So, so far you've got fat, you've got your protein, and whichever kind of protein you have depends on the order in which you place the protein in the pan. If it's eggs, I'm going to cook those later than if you were throwing in last night's chicken or something. Okay. So load up the veggies. I mean, load them up. Three, at least peppers, onions, root veggies, mushrooms, tomatoes, whatever you've got. It's a fridge dumper. Open up the refrigerator and dump what you have. Then you put them in the pan in the order of the most amount of time to cook to the least amount of time to cook. Duh, right? The tomatoes would go in last, but something like a root veggie would go in first. Then you add a pre-cooked grain or a starch like millet or quinoa or rice. But if you haven't pre-cooked anything and don't have any leftovers to throw in there, cauliflower rice is a wonderful tip because when you use cauliflower rice, you don't need to cook it in advance. You just put it in there and saute it. So, so far I've got a fat. I maybe have a protein. I've got a ton of veg in here. And then I'm throwing in the grain to heat it up. And then of course I'm going to spice it up. So I'm either going to add coconut aminos or maybe pesto, depending on the food combination, any spices or herbs that sound good to me, salt, pepper, whatever I have, and maybe an acid if I feel like it. I'll be honest with you. I often don't add apple cider vinegar or lemon or any kind of acid because I just don't. Like I keep it so simple. Finally, last, I add a leafy green, a little bit of spinach, a little bit of arugula, or maybe even cabbage. The point is this. These huge fry ups make the easiest, fastest dinner. And then you have this huge mound of food on your plate. It is such an easy way to create a hearty meal in no time. So stretch the imagination, do a little Google searching and look for some single pan meals in that can make your next easy go to dinner. Okay. It's something I do at least two times a week. By the way, if you want that structure, that sort of outline of a recipe that I just shared with you, it will be in the show notes for this episode. All right, the bad. I'm going to get a little preachy about something that I feel pretty strongly about. That's what the bad is for, right? A little ranty, a little ravey. But here's the deal. You know how I'm sort of anti-food rules? Like food rules make me a bit crazy, so I've moved really far away from them. Well, people ask me from time to time, they're like, yeah, 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 I know you don't do food rules. But if you did, if you had any rules, what would they be? There are certain things that are a big fat no in my household. They're not welcome here. And it's not things like sugar. This is not a sugar-free household by any stretch of the imagination. But there are some ingredients that are now in our food supply that literally did not exist 50 years ago. And now they are chemical poop storms that have invaded our food supply. And one example of those chemicals that I will not tolerate is hydrogenated oils. Now, I've talked about good oils and bad oils before, but I've never really focused on hydrogenated oils. And the reason why is they've gotten so much bad press 
address. They have so many people arguing that they should be illegal and that you should not be able to manufacture food with them because they are so obviously detrimental to the human condition that I sort of thought it was kind of a big, obvious, duh, this is something that we should avoid. But I've only just realized how ignorant that point of view was because hydrogenated oils are still in so many foods that we are still buying. And you guys, I've been really hard on processed seed oils and rapeseed oil, canola oil, vegetable oils, all of those. You've heard me do good, bad, and yummies about those topics and talk about them with a number of my guests. But I've never specifically highlighted hydrogenated oils to you. And this weekend, we have had family staying with us and they went to the grocery store. They went to the fresh market, actually, for those of you in the US, and they bought some really lovely gourmet type cookies. And when I looked at them, because I can confess, I look at everything and I read the ingredients and they have hydrogenated oils. It was like the third ingredient in the cookie. And I was kind of like, who does this? Like, who still does this? And the answer is lots of manufacturers are still using hydrogenated oils. I am not a big fan of food rules, but if you have one, I'm going to go ahead and offer to you that it should be that you do not consume hydrogenated oils. Why? Well, first of all, hydrogenation is a chemical process that converts liquid vegetable oil. Okay, not great for you in the first place. It converts the liquid vegetable oil into a solid fat. That's what hydrogenation is. So it converts that oil into a solid. Hydrogenated oils started showing up because manufacturers figured out that they were a cheaper way to produce food, but also they allowed food to be able to sit on a shelf and not go rancid for weeks, months, and even years. So you know they went nuts for this stuff and they loved it. They were like, okay, this saves us money. It extends the shelf life. It adds a texture to the food and it increases its stability, like sign us up. Maybe they didn't know at the time how absolutely detrimental to the human condition this type of oil is. I joke that it's like consuming petroleum products. That is not true, (laughs) but it is kind of. (laughs) So you hear about all these different kinds of fats, right? And there is this whole scandalous report that coconut oil was bad for you because it was the wrong kind of fat and so on and so forth. Nobody, you can find almost nobody to argue that trans fats are good for you. And that's what hydrogenated oil is. Trans fats work against the body in many ways, okay? They do increase bad cholesterol. They do decrease good cholesterol. They block the production of chemicals that combat inflammation, okay? So they are actually fighting against your body's natural ability to fight inflammation, Inflammation is natural. Too much inflammation is bad. In short, trans fats promote inflammation and they negatively impact cholesterol levels. Okay. No fun. No good. So read those labels, my friends. Let me share with you some of the products that are the worst offenders. Okay. Margarine. People stopped using real butter because they were sold the concept, sold on the idea that margarine is healthier. Margarine is a petroleum product. Margarine is made with hydrogenated oils. It's cheaper. It lasts much longer on the shelf. And if you leave it out on the counter, no insect, no ant will ever bother it because it is not real food. Peanut butter, unless it is natural peanut butter. In other words, every peanut butter that I grew up with, I don't know about you, but 
all of the peanut butters that I grew up with were completely saturated with hydrogenated oils. So read the labels when you buy peanut butter. Packaged snacks, baked goods, especially pre-made, you know, processed baked goods that have been around a while, but also baked goods even in bakeries, especially in grocery store, big chain grocery store type bakeries, fried foods, and then even coffee creamers and ice cream. Read the ingredients. Even if it says there are no hydrogenated oils, it can say on the label there are zero trans fats, and then the words partially hydrogenated or shortening or hydrogenated can still show up in the ingredients list because of a fun little labeling trick where if it has under a certain amount, you don't have to list it. So a lot of manufacturers do have these things listed in the ingredients, but they still put the zero trans fat label on the front of the package. So read the ingredients. So you want to avoid hydrogenated oils, partially hydrogenated or shortening, anything of that nature. Again, just in general, this does not have to be a zero sum game for you, right? I just think it's super useful for you to know that there are a few things that are like widely accepted as being bad for your health. And we don't need to be poking holes in our boat the whole time we're trying to live our best life. So watch out for hydrogenated oils. If you're choosing between two products, super easy trick. Just go with the one that doesn't have it. Check it out in your nut butters. Make sure there's nothing like that. And choose butter over margarine every time. Ooh, now to the best part this week's The Yummy. Now, this is fun. I shared this recipe on social media and you guys went nuts for it. And I'm going to share it again here because first of all, some of you don't see that stuff. And secondly, I want to talk about a special addition to this recipe. So the recipe today is crock pot butternut squash soup with coconut bacon. That's right. You heard it right. Coconut bacon. All right. Let's start with the fact that this is cooked in a crock pot. Props to the crock pot. Put it in. Walk away. Your instructions are to put it in the crock pot and walk away. If that's not my ideal version of cooking, I do not know what is. The ingredients are listed in the recipe on the site, right? On Air with Ella, episode 145, right? So you can find the actual recipe on the site. But here's the deal. It's got butternut squash. It's got a Granny Smith green apple. It's got a carrot. It's got a jalapeno if you want one, onion for flavor, garlic for flavor, and then some spices. Cumin is fabulous with this, salt and pepper and lime juice, okay? And then you just pour four cups of vegetable stock over those ingredients in your slow cooker and you walk away. Who doesn't love this? When you come back, you pour one can of coconut milk over that mixture and you blend it with the immersion blender right there in your crock pot. You can also use a blender blender if you want to. Entirely up to you. So that's going to make a super savory, super easy butternut squash soup right there in your crock pot. Now you can stop there, okay? And you would be perfectly content. You could top it with some cilantro or some coconut cream or even a little hint of cayenne pepper, or you could go crazy and top it with some coconut bacon, a new invention I would like to share with you today. Okay, let's talk about coconut bacon. What is it? First of all, it ain't bacon. It is coconut flakes that you whisk with coconut aminos, 
an ingredient called liquid smoke, which I'm not going to lie, I'd never heard of in my life. And I'll put a link to where to get that on Amazon in the show notes here. But coconut aminos, liquid smoke, and maple syrup. In case you're wondering what liquid smoke actually is, it's kind of yellowish reddish liquid. It's used for flavoring and it's used to be called wood vinegar to give you an idea of what it is. So it is a water-based condensate of wood smoke and that's about as much enlightenment as I can offer with regard to what liquid smoke is. Now I'm going to go out on a limb and say you can live with it or without it. I think you'd be okay if you made this without the liquid smoke and just mixed up some coconut flakes with coconut aminos and maple syrup. If you want to go nuts, you want to go all the way, then grab yourself some liquid smoke and make it happen. But you whisk all of those ingredients together and you toss the coconut flakes, the unsweetened coconut flakes in that mixture and you bake it in the oven on a baking sheet until they're sort of toasty, maybe about 10 minutes and you stir it about halfway through. But the idea is to kind of brown them and then remove them and let them sit for a few minutes so they can dry out and crisp up. Then you have coconut bacon, something that I personally am perfectly happy to make and eat all by itself. (laughs) But it's a great accoutrement to this recipe. All right. So crock pot butternut squash soup with coconut bacon. If you would like to see the video of this being made, then hop on my Instagram page and you can't miss it. Okay, go make some of this soup and tag me. Post the results and tag me. I can't wait to see it. By the way, how many of you have tried to make the plant-based cheese that I talked about in the last, the good, the bad, and the yummy? Because I straight up made some and it was cheese-like. It was mind-blowing to me. And I realized it needs a ton more spices and flavoring. So tell me what results you had. You need to make it with gelatin, not collagen. So just dial back to last week's The Good, The Bad, and The Yummy and check out that recipe and make sure you're not confusing gelatin and collagen because gelatin is key. Collagen will not work. And really dial up the flavor. Mine came out really bland. It was still good and satisfying in a weird way, but it came out bland. And next time I'm just going to add a ton of flavor. So let me hear from you. You know, I love to hear your success stories and your recommendations for what you want to hear next. So let me hear from you. All right, you guys go have a great week. See ya. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.